Hey guys, welcome to 254 Karada, your weekly podcast about staying woke on what is going on on the continent. And you know I never miss an opportunity to really bless you guys with my vocals because you know what I mean? Like, it's 2019 and I'm just really here for like, you know, just showing off all my talents or whatever. (laughs) I cannot... Anyways, like I said, 254 Karada. Karada means stay woke, stay alert. You know what I mean? I feel like, for me at least, you know, this podcast is all about just me really researching what is going on, you know, in the motherland. Because, you know, I feel like where you live, you know about it. But then, of course, we are all one. So it's good to know what's going on in our neighboring countries, right? Yes. And for any new listeners out there, welcome. I actually want to give a shout out to Miriam. Hey, girl. I ran into her um, around the way the other day, and she was like, hey, girl, just so you know, I listen to your podcast. And I was like, oh, for real? And she was like, it's good. And I was like, it is. You know, trying to be humble. <laughs> I can't. Anyways, hey, Miriam. And for any of you guys that listen, and I don't know it, you know, just comment or, like, if you run into me on the street, just let me know. Anyways, we have three segments on this show. The first segment is the African Gem, the second police Soch, <laughs> and the third, the Shaoriako. And the Shaoriako this week is hot, eh? It's hot, eh? <laughs> so y'all better listen to the end for the drama that my girl, uh, Tina, is going through. <laughs> so let's kick this off. Our African Gem this week is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Huh? I don't know. He's Nigerian. Add a Nigerian accent to that. Now, a lot of you guys might already know him from 12 Years a Slave. And actually, he's going to do the voice of Scar in The Lion King that's coming out this year. Um, so he's very infamous already. Um, but the reason why I want to shout him out, um, and by way of that shout out, like the movie that uh, he's doing, um, he's just he's in his um, directorial <laughs> debut with this movie. It's called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And the reason why I really want to shout out Chiwetel Ejiofor in this, okay, he's acting in the movie, but like I said, he's directing it as well. So basically, he wrote the screenplay or readapted the already book that exists about Michael Kamkwamba, eh? which about maybe 17 years ago, Michael Kamkwamba was about 13, eh? he's a Malawian, eh? and basically his village or his city was basically experiencing this drought and Michael was kicked out of school and he managed to sneak back in and steal a book on energy and he created this wind turbine that brought back water, you know, to the place. So you know what I mean? Like he was an African gem in his own right. <laughs> so she would tell basically we adapted this movie and it's coming out on Netflix on March 1st, y'all. Um, and the reason why I really want to make him an African gem is this movie, a lot of the stars are from the continent, eh? <laughs> Not all of them are Malawian, but a lot of them are. Actually, the guy playing uh, Michael Kamkwamba, eh? He's a Kenyan boy, eh? Shout out to Kenya. Um, <laughs> Kenyan actors, eh? Stand up. Um, <laughs> of course, he's in the film. He's Nigerian, Chiwetel. And then there's also people from um, Swaziland, there's someone from Kazulu Natal. And the thing that I love more about this movie, other than the fact that it's actually featuring people from the continents in it, is that the whole movie is in Chichiwa. 
and that is basically a language that is spoken in Malawi and so it has English subtitles so you know just like you're gonna have to deal eh, if you don't understand and the thing that I love about it is that Chichiwa is spoken not only in um, Malawi but also in Zambia Mozambique Zimbabwe so I just feel like a lot of you know a lot of a population is going to be able to watch this movie and like not even need the subtitles so in that way there's representation and then also like you know what I mean like I I, I like I feel like because not everyone who's acting is from Malawi, the accents are going to be shady. But, like, you know what I mean. At the end of the day, it feels good to have a film made by an African for Africans with Africans and just trying to maintain that culture. And it's on Netflix. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a really large international, like, movie screening company. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. This is why Chiwetele Diofo eh, is our African jump this week. Eh. So, please, guys. Today, this podcast is coming out. I'm recording it right now, and I'm going to post it right now. Um, and tomorrow is March 1st, I believe. Yes, tomorrow is March 1st. So I'm going to be watching it. Okay. So yes. Now let's move on. Eh? The, the theme for this week is decolonization is still pending. Eh? And for reasons that you will find out eh? as the episode and, and, and unfolds. Eh? But first, I want to give you guys an update. Which is actually partially the reason why this podcast is coming out a day later. Um, as I said in the last episode, Senegal and Nigeria were having their elections literally the same weekend. Eh? Well, how could that be possible? Eh? Because Nigeria postponed this. <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to like do this podcast once they'd already like officially announced the winners. So that way, like you know, we could we could know what was going on. So we go to Senegal, eh? so the elections went off without a siege, eh? and of course the <laughs> the the, for, the former president still won this election <laughs> by fifty eight percent. Surprise, surprise. Eh? Um, <laughs> Makisal. But the interesting thing is though, a lot of people were like, mm, look at look at Senegal. Eh? The elections went on peacefully, eh? no incidents recorded. Eh? But then you look over to Nigeria. Even with the postponement <laughs> of the elections, eh? ballot materials still reach some places late. Eh? Please, I neck, I neck. Why were you lying to us? Eh? You were lying that the materials were right there at the central bank, eh? but they still arrived late. Bruh, bruh, why? And then, of course, I think there have been 67 reported deaths during and after the election. In Nigeria and the unfortunate thing is so <laughs> you know what I mean like both of these um, uh, parties were running for elections and not even parties individuals and eh? Buhari and Atiku eh? both northerners both Fulani both Muslim eh? so so at this point eh, if you're voting if you're used to voting from where someone is from eh, like in 2015 where it was the north against the south eh? They, you just vote eh, how you want to vote. If you're used to voting based on tribal lines, eh, how are you going to vote now? Eh? If you're used to voting on religious lines, eh, just like the last elections, eh, Christian versus Muslim, eh, how are you going to vote now? Yeah. And basically during these elections, what happened was when they were announcing the, like the results from the different states, Voter turnout in the northern areas, especially where like uh, Boko Haram is like heavily like, you know, 
uh, committing a lot of uh, violent acts, voter turnouts were really high. And you know what I mean? So there was this whole discussion about, not even discussion, there was all this um, people like basically talking about social media saying like, you know what, the North deserves what it gets because how can they uh, reelect Buhari? And that was the thing. In those areas, Buhari got a lot of votes. Yeah, so people were like, how, 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 how can they, how can they reelect him? How can they? But here's my point, bruh. What, what do you mean, eh? So what, what do they do? They vote for another northerner, eh? You are, you're complaining that they voted for another now. You're complaining they voted for Fulani. You're complaining they voted for a Muslim, eh? But the other person as well, bruh. The other person as well, eh? Um, so I thought that was unfortunate. Because um, it was kind of justifying, like, the things that these people are going through by way of <laughs> being in close proximity to Boko Haram. Um, so basically... If you have not noticed by now, Buhari won it, and he won by 4 million votes, 56% of the votes. And I think he won 15 million votes, and Atiku 11 point something, yeah? So now, of course, eh? of course, it, it is not an election in, in Africa eh? if the opposition does not complain. Eh? In Senegal, no one has complained, eh? but here, oh, Atiku is complaining. Eh? So Atiku is basically like, listen, bruh. If you look at the voter turnout in northern areas, Borno State, Maiduguri, eh, voter turnout was not only high, but higher than the southern states that Buhari garnered. Eh? So it's like, bruh, are you telling me the truth? That the peaceful states that you have won, eh, the voter turnout was lower than the areas where people were fighting uh, bombs. Eh? Just on the election day, 10 bombs went off in Maiduguri, I think. Eh? So you're telling me eh, bombs are not enough to stop your supporters, eh? false <laughs> you know so there's that like that's one of his but this is all allegedly of course and i just feel like the numbers are so uh like four million i feel like it's gonna be really hard to prove that those four million votes were stolen but atiku is vowing to go to court eh? and he's going to get it sorted we shall see eh? but i guess at this point a lot of uh countries especially african countries have already congratulated uh, Buhari for his win and I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's always the way countries try to like calm opposition um, parties <laughs> on the continent is like they, they they already start like you know legitimizing the one who's won just so the other person can feel like he won't really have or she you know what I mean because presidents can be women too eh? that you know the leader can basically feel like they wouldn't have much support if they decided to pursue like this whole court thing and say that like you know votes were stolen yeah but that is the update from last week hmm? now this week like i said the topic is decolonization is still pending and it's really based on two stories <laughs> regarding like you know water islands oceans basically both of them and first let's start with Mauritius and how often how often do you hear anything about Mauritius so basically I recently learned um you know exactly and I'm not ashamed to say it recently learned you know what I mean like this is all this podcast is about because some of y'all might already know it but I just recently learned huh? that the Chagos Islands in Mauritius are UK territory still eh? the the brits are still uh the 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 owners of that territory eh? and this is why right before mauritius received the uh, goddess independence in 1968 the brits basically manipulated hmm? 
more like bullied and applied power eh? and basically separated chagos islands from mauritius and not only that they forcibly evicted the people from chagos islands chagosians as they are called mm -hmm. <laughs> i think there were about two thousand and so basically uh that's what they did they forcibly evicted them now years later hmm? Mauritius took this to the International Court of Justice and the ICJ and the Hague. Why are all these why are all these courts of justice in the Hague? Like the ICC is in the Hague? Like what, what is going on in the Hague? Eh? Um <laughs> But anyways, they took this case to ICJ. And they were like, listen, bro, we want our territory back. Like how they evicted our people was not fair and they basically had a chagosian who had, was evicted at the time and they said the means that they used to forcibly evict them was that they cut off food and medication supplies from mauritius to, Chago, to the chagos islands and so people had no option but to basically border ship back to mauritius and that ship basically in those four days yeah, the, the the conditions are not well either so actually one of the people who was testifying said that she was pregnant when she boarded that ship and by the time she um, landed in Mauritius, her baby was dead. Like, you know what I mean? So in this court, the Brits basically said that their lawyer was like, yeah, you know, we admit that the Chagostians were treated, were treated badly, and that's not right. But we're also not ready to, uh, to take away our, uh, our access to this land. Now, here's the thing. I bet you're wondering, exactly what is the UK doing in an island in Chagos? I mean, <laughs> in an island in Mauritius called Chagos. Let me tell you what they're doing. So they basically leased out uh, this island to the U.S. Hmm? And the U.S. basically made it a military base, where up to this day, they still use it to launch attacks against uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and pre they even use it to, like, you know, basically take people there, torture them, get information from them right before they send them to Guantanamo Bay. Eh? We have all heard of Guantanamo Bay, but I'm pretty sure me I had not heard of Chagos Islands being part of this whole thing. Eh? We're all learning in this podcast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's basically a, a tactical asset to the U.S. Eh? and the U.K. is leasing it. Now, here's the thing. A lot of international court of justice is linked to the UN and stuff. And so a lot of countries have, have kind of been like silent on this. And some of them are like, yeah, bruh, like UK, you should leave. But the US is like, nah, nah, nah. We support that the UK should have this land. And of course they do because, bruh, you are the one who's using it. You're the one who's using it. Eh? So now what Mauritius has said is that, you know, they will continue to let the U.S. use this island as a military base, but they basically just want their land back. Like, you know what I mean? They're saying, like, this should, this is owned by us. It should be like that on paper. And the U.K. should not be leasing it. Eh? But here's my thing, right? Like, this is what I mean. Colonization is still pending. Decolonization is still pending because here, Chagos Islands is still a colony of, or a U.K. territory or whatever. But yet... The UK is saying that they also don't want to be a colony through this whole Brexit thing. Eh? But as someone had said, eh, someone was quoted saying, I, th I think it was the lawyer of the Mauritius side, he was quoted saying, you don't want to be a colony, eh? but you want to maintain your colonizer status. Eh? How ironic is that? Eh? You see what I mean? Like, I'm also the same point because it's like, bruh, 
you can't be out here fighting two wars at once on literally opposite sides. What are you saying? What are you saying? And also, you're not even using the land. It's the U.S. that uses a military base. So Mauritius has already agreed, bruh, go ahead. We'll let you keep Diego Garcia, which is what the military base is called. Look at them even. They can't even give it up. You know, a name that is indigenous to the land. Eh? It is Diego Garcia for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, they say they will continue to let them use the land, but it's just more like they don't want it to be a territory of Brits anymore. You know what I mean? So they went to the ICJ, hmm? and the ICJ has ruled that the UK needs to rapidly, rapidly, eh? quote unquote, give back the land to Mauritius. Now, here's the thing about the ICJ. It's not like a, it's basically they've advised, it's not like a, an entity that can really uh, implement or coerce a country to do this. They're basically just advising. You know, and because of this reason, I mean, they are like literally the International Court of Justice. So whatever they say in bro, like, abide by it. Um, but the UK is basically pissed because they're like, they feel like this was a diplomatic issue and there was no reason to take it to these high courts in that nature. But bro, you have, you have had the territory since 1968. When did you want to have a diplomatic conversation about it? Eh? You don't think that we have tried you don't think that we have looked at all the options and found that the best way is to just embarrass you eh, on the media, eh? embarrass you for for fighting against being a colony but seeking to still be a colonizer. Eh? Of course, we have to embarrass you in this way. Eh? We have to get everyone eh, to know what exactly you are doing. Eh? So that's why you can't feel that pressure to give the country, I mean, to give the island back. So that's what they have said. But of course, these things, I think, take time. We will be following this news, <laughs> and by we, I mean you and me, <laughs> because I'm hoping just for you as well, like, whenever I learn these things, I'm, I'm always, it makes me curious enough to see, like, how it ends and uh, whatever, and even if you don't look it up, I will update you in the future episodes, okay? Okay. <laughs> I can't. Now, again decolonization is still pending eh? you know the you know these these borders of ours were not were not really drawn by us mm-hmm. and now this week somalia and kenya are, are fighting over the indian ocean <laughs> and to be honest they've been fighting over it since 2014 actually um it's just right now somalia allegedly did something and kenya is like bruh that was out of line out of line so let's take it back uh, to see the origin of, of this conflict between uh, somalia and kenya eh? so in 2014 somalia filed a case with the international court of justice again hey this this court is <laughs> this court is popular <laughs> the icc and the icj hey, the hague will kill us or the hague will kill us eh? all these flights to the hague for justice eh? all these courts eh? i mean all these flight <laughs> so basically they're filing with the icj over a maritime boundary yeah so basically saying like somalia wants the boundary like that they have with the indian ocean to run diagonally and kenya wants it to run horizontally now now what does this mean and you know even me i'm not an expert so i had to, to dig a little deep eh? so basically right now Kenya has like the its boundary uh, into the Indian Ocean or whatever is about 536 kilometers, 
and Somalia's is 3,333. 3333. Three, three, three. three is my favorite number, y'all, by the way. And this is basically the longest coastline in Africa. Now, in this based on how they draw the boundary, right? So if Somalia wins, like Kenya still keeps its uh, coastline basically, but then what changes is its exclusive economic zones and its continental shelf. So an exclusive economic zone is basically the area in which your country basically has sovereignty over in the ocean, like basically like up until that area, um, you have like free will or special rights to like, you know, explore, explore and also use the merit, like, you know, the water, eh? the, the maritime boundary eh? for your own, uh, you know, mar marine resources, whether it be for energy, winds, water, so be it, it, it is your exclusive economic zone. Eh? And the continental shelf is basically the shallow part of the sea. And I think it goes up to 200 nautical miles or something like that. Hmm? You know, these, these things are important. It also, it also just shows how me, I'm just, you know, well vast on all these knowledgeable things. <laughs> Anyways, so if Somalia wins and this boundary is drawn diagonally as opposed to how Kenya wants it to run horizontally, Kenya loses 26% of its exclusive economic zone. And also, it loses 85% of its continental shelf, like, beyond the 200 nautical miles it's allowed. Um, and so basically, <laughs> I don't know if I can, I can't really draw this picture, but basically what it means is like, Kenya will essentially be landlocked, even though it would, ha it would still have its 536 kilometers of, uh, of coastline, based on the fact that like this boundary would basically say like, all of this belongs to Sabalia, or like, you know, they would have like the sovereignty over those areas then, you know, Kenya does not have it. Eh? So basically, this is why they're in court since 2014. Now, why, you know, now this is still, this is a matter that's still trying to be resolved in ICJ. But recently, Somalia allegedly auctioned off oil and gas blocks in the area that is in dispute, yeah, to the, and I think there were bidders from the UK, Ireland, Norway, hmm, look at them, look at them. <laughs> and so basically when Kenya found out, they were like, bruh, how dare you? Like, you know this area is in dispute, and for you to try even auction it off, essentially says that you do already think that, you know, this is your area. And so Kenya was like, you know what? Bring, bring back our ambassador, huh? and they brought back the ambassador. I think his name is Lucas. And then they were like, and now you take your ambassador, huh? you take your ambassador back, eh? and, and for consultations or whatever you're going to, whatever you're going to figure out. Us, we don't want to discuss it. Eh? At this point, this is like an insult, an attack. Like you know what I mean? And like I looked into like some areas where like they do share like maritime like boundaries in a way, and then places where like countries have larger areas it's mostly because of like power like you know how strong are your like you know navies or whatever and so basically i feel like if kenya wants to win this whole like um this whole ordeal uh 
they need to they need to strengthen strengthen their, their military i mean their maritime uh you know boundary protectors eh? so with this said i would also like to give a shout out to kibe mungai he's a constitutional lawyer and you know he really tries in his um article to really like break down this whole like maritime boundary beef thing and like i just want to shout him out because he hooked your girl up with information and then you know i have to go and google what's exclusive economic zones and continental shelves and all those things hey i got was just clueless <laughs> but guys that is what is happening uh, and you know like this is all i still believe this is i mean I, in a way i guess you can say this is not the fault of course but actually it is who told you to draw these boundaries like this and who also is coming up with these ideas of i don't know maritime boundaries i guess it's important if i guess the country that has that gets to decide what they do with the resources they find there you know um but yeah y'all here in the continent decolonization is still pending over 50 years later bruh i just can't eh? i just can't it, it was good to colonize us but it's taking even longer to decolonize eh? <laughs> i can't but that is a poly social now for a shariako i told you my, my girl tina had a question eh? and tina's a fake name so i feel like only the person who really wrote this in is gonna know who this person is but either way, you know, I have dreams about this podcast blowing up. So I could continue like using the real person's name. But just in case it blows up, you know what I mean? Like the person who sent this is going to be known. So let me just keep it on the hush hush. So I'm going to summarize what Tina sent um, based on her, you know, her whole background of this whole thing. But the summary is basically Tina just recently broke up with her partner. And she still has feelings for him. Um, but the relationship just wasn't working out. And she's basically like one month in and like she's basically committed to not calling him or whatever and she's following it through. But of course he still calls her and she still picks up. So she's like, bruh, eh? She still picks up because she has feelings like on and she feels a certain type of way. She knows she shouldn't be in a relationship, but she's like, when will these feelings dissipate? Eh? Now here's my thing. I'm not a pro. Like, like I guess, it, like, she's basically asking, should she just cut him out until she's basically stopped having these feelings for him? And here's my thing, eh? Me, the advice I give you, you don't have to take it. Eh? That is why it's called shauriako. It is your issue at the end of the day. Hmm? You hear me, Tina? Here's my thing. I feel like in these type of things, it is best to literally, you know, stop communication with the person like even if the breakup was not because of something negative like oh no let's say not negative but not because of something like y'all hate each other or you betrayed your trust or something i just feel like if you decide to end something with someone it's always good to take a break even if you've ended it cordially like it's good to take a communication break a seeing each other break because at the end of the day it is good to evaluate how you felt about the relationship, how you feel about it ending, and also like what lessons you've learned, and like you know what you liked about the person, what you would like to continue. Like what it's basically just time apart to process how you feel. Like you know what I mean. And I feel like as women, because I feel like a lot of friends of mine as well. Whenever we go through breakups, we always focus on the 
with the other person like the guy you know what i mean like you know what he did why he did it what it means what he's doing what it did but not a lot of energy is spent on ourselves like what we did why we ended the relationship why we were unhappy you know what i mean and i feel like time apart gives you gives you a time to focus on that because essentially you break this person off and you're like okay for the next two to three months, I am not going to think about your well-being because I am going to be dedicating all of that time to me. And for some people, it'll take two to three months. Some people will take one month. Some people will take five months, six months, a year, you know? And it doesn't mean, like, you stop living your life. But it's just basically, and it could be easy. You could tell the person as well, I feel like. You could be like, listen, me, I still love you. I still have feelings for you. And I don't want to basically ignore you or for you to feel like I don't care about you but also I really want time to process like by me like in this relationship we were two like you know we were doing things for us I just really want to do that for myself right now and I would appreciate it if you did the same like perhaps you could do the same for yourself and not call me as well you know respect this boundary and here's the thing of course when you draw this boundary the man is not going to respect it eh? and then because you that's probably why you left him eh? he does not have a sense of, of a boundary eh? So, you know what? If he continues to call you after you said, hey, it is good for me to have this space from you, then you have to cut the nigga off anyways. Because at that point, he is not respecting your boundaries. He has no respect for you. He's not willing to put his own selfish needs of needing to talk to you all the time, man. Eh? Now that you're broken up, he wants to show up eh, consistently, eh? calling you. Eh? But when you are together, eh? was he doing that? Probably not, because if he was doing that, Tina, your ass wouldn't have left him. Okay. <laughs> So basically my thing is take some time for yourself to process this relationship and why it ended and what you've learned from it and what you would like to do moving forward and I think to do that objectively you do need time and space away from the person that you processing okay <laughs> when you go apply for for something and hey, you leave you leave your documents there when you go apply for visa you leave your documents there and the people process the documents that you have left them they don't continue calling you to ask you more questions da, 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 da. you know until maybe later but like basically they ask you for things that they know will be enough for them to decide if you are right to travel to that country or not eh? it is the same with this man hmm? you've already decided you already gave him the opportunity eh? you gave him a visa into your life eh? and he misused it eh? now you have deported him eh? if he wants to enter back into your life he has to refill the application eh? and he doesn't even need to refill the application because you have the old application plus more information eh? now you need to deliberate over that information again not to bring him back but also to close the chapter oh you think when you deport someone you just kick them out no you keep a file of what they did so if they ever choose to come back, eh, you can open up the file again eh, and be like, let me see what you're resubmitting. Eh? Are you resubmitting the same things? Because I already have your file. But that is my advice to you, Tina. Take it or leave it. Either way, Mishaoriako. <laughs> I can't. That is it for this week, y'all. I appreciate you guys for listening. If you like what you hear, share, subscribe. Guys, I'm on SoundCloud, but we're also on iTunes. Therefore, all my iPhone users, go and subscribe. Rate me. You know, comment below. Let me know what you think. And, yeah. I'll holla at y'all next week. Bye.